and welcome to Early Childhood Ireland's podcast, which features interviews and discussions on all issues relating to quality in the early years and school age sector. In our episodes, we have a range of speakers who are leaders in the areas that matter to Early Childhood Ireland members. This podcast series is proudly supported by Aricus Insurance, which offers a comprehensive range of cover at discounted premiums for both business and personal insurance products. So visit www.aricus.ie for more information. I'm Maura Corbett and I work with Early Childhood Ireland. In this series of the podcast, we're looking at some aspects of policy and research. In this particular episode, we'll explore and discuss the Early Childhood Ireland budget submission and our asks from government for the upcoming 2023 budget. So to tease these issues out and discuss the uh, submission further, I'm joined by my colleague, Francis Byrne. Francis is the Director of Policy Advocacy and Campaigning in Early Childhood Ireland and has a huge interest in advocating for children in early years and school age care in Ireland and for the member settings in which children spend time, are cared for and learn in relation to government policy and campaigning for improvement in that regard. So, Francis, you're really welcome and thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Maura. So our main ask uh, this year, Francis, is around the development of a five-year plan. Uh, Can you take us through why that's important and uh, what you feel it should include in broad terms, please? So the the current government has uh, taken the baton from the previous one, if you like, and has uh, given a commitment to double funding um, for the sector by 2028, um, to at least double funding, to use the wording in first five correctly. Um, then obviously um, COVID hit um, as, as, as the government was, was changing hands, if you will. Um, and so we had two years of, of kind of suspension. We were very disappointed when budget 2021 was announced because childcare, as as the government refers to it, uh, was literally a footnote in in one of the minister's speeches. Um, So we worked very hard um, um, from that moment on until the announcement of Budget 2022. And we were very gratified to hear the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform use words like major transformation um, and that this was a turning point He referenced children, he referenced parents, he referenced providers. That was all uh, very important from our point of view. And I suppose we were um, able to see uh, the fruits of our hard work. Um, But of course, there there wasn't much detail except um, a commitment to um, an unprecedented um, uh, amount of funding, um, which was 221 million. Um, And then we weren't quite clear what that was going to be spent on. By the end of the year, at the end of 2021, the government made it clear it was going to be spent on um, core funding, which in turn was going to be attached to the successful uh, negotiation and implementation of an employment regulation order. So in looking, you know, our, our policy team gets together quite early in the year to look at, well, what will we look for this year? And the work never stops. You know, the budget, we have the big budget announcement, and it is a big day for us. And we gather in Buswells with colleagues from other organisations. And we do our post-match analysis, if you will, um, both live and then afterwards. And, and, you know, in the last few years, listeners will be aware, 
individual ministers then kind of make more detailed announcements in the, the few days and we scrutinise them. And obviously we scrutinised all of the government announcements then since. Um, and since the end of COVID, we have seen um, an unprecedented for a lot of people um, uh, in, in, in their lifetimes, cost of living crisis. Um, fees in Ireland have always been a big issue and the political focus has almost been exclusively um, on, on affordability, very understandably, but it's not the exclusive focus that early childhood Ireland wants. So we stood back as a team and said, okay, we, we, you know, we, we have to look at what the commitments that have been made. We have to look at the, the reality of politics in Ireland, the reality of what parents are facing. And obviously we have to be mindful, first and foremost, of quality for children. And our members are trying to deliver that. Um, we believe as an organisation that it's nigh on impossible to offer that on a consistent basis if you don't know where you stand as an operator. So we have looked for a five-year plan and we are saying to government, you must on budget day, which will be the 27th of September, you must say what the next five years between now and 2028 or from 23 onwards are going to look like. Um, and as you said, Maura, we have made some suggestions about what 2023 might look like but I suppose how we as a team and as an organisation will judge our success on the evening of the 27th of September is, did we hear um, a multi-annual plan or a promise of one? Um, members who are listening will know um, it's very, very difficult, whether it's looking at the day-to-day -day funding that comes in um, or the capital funding that, that, that might come to plan things. Um, and our members are constantly having to you know, and I'm always saying this to policymakers, operate a true, a, a two-track brain where they're thinking about today, tomorrow, this month, but they're also thinking about next year. And for our members, the year starts in August, but they also have to think about the January to December year. So, you know, if you've made the promise of money, please say to people um, how the next five years are going to look. It can be broad strokes, but what are you prioritising? What are you looking at as a government so that people can have certainty and plan? That bit of the certainty and planning is, is kind of the key bit of it, isn't it? That, you know, if you don't know what's coming, you know, in terms of your day-to-day -day funding or, like you mentioned, indeed, capital funding, um, you know, so often capital funding announcements are very short term there um, and there isn't time for, um, you know, things like planning permission because it has to be applied for, it has to be spent and there isn't time to do anything very strategic about it. So um, that five year plan makes um, a huge amount of sense. So, you you know, you've mentioned about the the, the broad terms and then. Uh, the budget submission goes on to be a bit more specific for what the 2023 aspect of that plan should include. And we've we've mentioned five. So we might go through those one by one and uh, you can elaborate on them. So first one is an increase in core funding to take account of inflation and any agreed sector pay scales. Um, what's your your comment on uh, on that aspect, Francis. I suppose in, in some ways this was the one that we, we we sort of said, well, do we need to say this? 
because core funding can't be one big bang um, in 2022. But we felt we did need to say it. Um, and um, as we're having this discussion today, um, Maura, obviously it, it, it's not going out live. So it's difficult to talk about core funding um, just as the application process is opening. People are, you know, uh, returning to um, settings that, that those that haven't opened for the summer. People are grappling with it. But there, there are certainties about it, which, which are we know the amount of money. We know that it depends on um, a pay scale being um, brought into being by the government for the first time in the sector. And I think it's, it's, it's important to say that that is a minimum pay scale. Um, and certainly from our point of view, um, it, it needs to be. Um, we have members who, who are paying more than that, uh, more than what's been uh, published and, and uh, um, uh, indicative uh, of, of what will apply. So from our point of view, there needs to be an increase on, on all of those. And that needs to be people need to be allowed to plan for that next year. So that's why it's a very broad brushstroke. We're not saying an amount of money. Obviously, it needs to be upwards of 221 million. If that's what the government is saying is needed in a full year for this year, um, then we, we would expect to see more. Um, and um, so, so that's that's what's behind that ask, if, if I could put it like that. And the you know the cost of living um, situation in in many ways kind of not quite came out of nowhere, but was kind of unexpected at at the same time. And you know settings any business needs to know that um, that their income is going to uh, be sufficient to meet to meet their needs on a, on an ongoing basis, especially when the only funding that a setting has is. From, is from government. And that, I suppose, takes us to the, the next one, which um, relates to increases in the National Child Care Scheme, encompassing the universal and targeted subsidies and a national communications plan to promote the scheme to parents. So can you tease that one out a little bit for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the National Child Care Scheme has um, no doubt caused controversy um, uh, among um, our members for its um, additional administrative burden, if you like. Um, everybody had hoped to, 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 that it would not go down that road. And we saw during COVID there were adjustments made. And look, you know, the department will argue back, and it's not that they don't have a point, they do, that it's more flexible than it might have been. But I suppose for, for us as an organisation, there, there's always been a contradiction at the heart of the scheme, which is on the one hand, it offers that Scandinavian model of everybody gets something no matter how well off the family might be, if I could put it that way. Um, and that's really welcome and important. And I might come back to why we think that's important in a minute. But when you look um, to Scandinavia, and I've had the privilege of being in those creches, um, you know, the, the, the local authority, because that's who runs them, for example, in Denmark, that's who oversees the day-to-day -day running um, of, of settings. They don't give a damn if um, Johnny um, uh, Johnny's parent or parent or guardian has said that Johnny's going to be in every day and then Johnny doesn't start to not come in on Wednesday afternoons. The only thing that that would trigger within um, a crash in Denmark is, is everything OK with Johnny and his family? And if the answer was, well, yes, post-COVID, uh, Johnny's grandparent, uh, Johnny's granddad is now able to come up and um, every Wednesday is coming up to Copenhagen and collecting Johnny, the crash would be over the moon. 
and the 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 local authority would be over the moon if they if they even cared but you know the money and the inspection and it's not inspection as we understand it is all focused on the educators and the curriculum and of course health and safety but health and safety is kind of taken for granted because a lot of the time they're they're, they're stage run whereas here despite the fact that the the, the NCS was set up in such a way as there's a possibility of flexibility over four weeks and then eight, cares way too much about attendance in our view. And one of the things we have welcomed from the beginning about core funding is that link with attendance is broken. And that's absolutely the way to go. That's the best focus on children and, and their concerns and their families' um, needs um, and, and so on. Um, so... Um, we're we're always cautious about what we say about the national childcare scheme. And look, we, you know, we 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 have we constantly talking to the department and to other policymakers. We're always conscious when we meet politicians. We're we're with no disrespect to the current minister for children, who we lobby all the time. We could be talking to the next minister for children. We're always talking about reducing the administrative burden. A lot of the time, TDs and senators don't believe us when we describe. Um, what 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 members you know um, have to tackle in terms of their weekly reporting and so on and duplication and all of that and we've looked we've looked for a single agency and we want all of that to uh, to, to address it. That said, <laughs> the kernel of the national childcare scheme is really important to us because, as I said, it does speak to that piece about universal and targeted. And why does that matter? One of the reasons why. Um, in uh, Nordic countries and beyond, I'm going to say childcare, because that's what politicians say, is untouchable in terms of if there are cuts to come, it gets left alone, is because it is so embedded in the country, in the infrastructure, in parents' expectations. It is seen very much as being so important for children that it's untouchable. And we want early uh, years and school age care in all of its forms, including childminding, to be untouchable. And one of the ways that you make it untouchable, in the same way that ECHI is untouchable in Ireland now, if heaven forbid an enormous economic crisis came, if inflation, as as you've said, the cost of living became unmanageable next year, and we all hope that will not happen, um, um, it's untouchable. It will not be touched by a government. Um, And so we want the National Childcare Scheme to build towards untouchability. So it's very important that parents are seeing its its significance and that parents are buying into it uh, with their taxes, with voting. um, Because of course, if we're moving towards a system that values quality for children, which is the great unspoken thing about um, the Nordic model, um, every child, regardless of their circumstances, their location, their ability, every every circumstance receives the same level of quality. And this is how we open our discussions with policymakers all the time. Everybody understandably focuses on affordability. What the Scandinavian um, model delivers and the reason it's so valued by parents and grandparents and society at large is across the board, consistent quality for children. We have members, as you well know, Maura and listeners will know, who are striving to do that every day of the week, but the system doesn't support them to do it. Um, so that is why we are strong advocates um, for uh, doing 
something on both sides of the national um, childcare scheme. So we do need to see improvements um, on the target side and we also need to see them on universal. And that will come in the form of the subsidy could be increased from the 2250 that it stands at now. Um, if you're if you're having uh, um, the maximum uh, number of hours or and or the government could increase the ceiling at which families can receive the universal payment. I would think they're going to do both. They need to do other things on the targeted side. They they have that there are improvements made, um, but there are families that are very cut by um, essentially what is a means test when 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 you, when you go on to the go onto the system as a parent who are caught between um, the you know the, the, they don't their circumstances don't quite allow them um, to have as much targeted and really it should. Uh, Partly because, again, if we look to Scandinavia, but also because of the reality of what we're facing into um, in terms of cost of living. But also the fees are high. We all know why they're high, low, low investment and so on. So that's why we're advocating both sides on the national childcare scheme. Yeah, that, that, that idea that early, early education is seen as, um, as fundamental and as inalienable as... Um, primary and secondary education exactly moving, moving to that stage is uh is is like for children and for and for families um so looking then at, at aim uh, the access and inclusion model um we're um requesting asking uh, that in consultation with our members and other stakeholders an extension beyond the ECC scheme would be um would be introduced and uh you know that's you know really important um for younger children but you know I, I, that's our thinking there i presume well that's a very good question because there are of course two ways at least that an extension to actually to a my beg your pardon could happen it could go outside the etchy program altogether or actually could extend to offer more hours. So it could go outside in terms of, sorry, there's three ways. Etchy could extend to, 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 to be longer. Um, AIM could go beyond the current Etchy hours. And or you could extend the, 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 age, the ages, which essentially is what you'd be doing with the second one. So um, that's the reason why we think there needs to be a consultation. Um, and absolutely with our members but the other of course stakeholders in this are parents and one of the things that you know members will tell us is just heartbreaking they hear from parents who will you know observe that their children lose ground over the summer when the um they don't have access to their preschool um, and the wonderful aim program um it also seems again when you brief people you know, policymakers, busy policymakers who are glancing at our area um, among a whole lot of other things that, that they might be concerned about, as well as when you speak to uh, people in other countries, they just don't understand how this wonderful support stops when a child turns a particular age. So that important discussion needs to happen. The government has already signalled um, in partnership for the public good, which was uh, published in December and which mentioned core funding, um, that, that that they are they are committed to looking at it. 
Um, there is a review um, of, of AIM coming. There's uh, just, uh, an, it, it, as, as we're having this discussion today, Maura, um, um, it's in the public domain that there's, you know, a review of ECHI, um, as promised in first five to come. So there's certainly um, opportunity for the government to have a meaningful consultation. Um, I would hope that would include children as well. I think children, particularly who have experienced AIM and are now in the form informal education or are still experienced, have important things to say that we all need to listen to. Um, so it's absolutely a quality for children marker. I won't say indicator, I'll be given out to. Um, but um, it, it, it absolutely needs to happen. It's one of the most child-centred developments that, that we think that the, that government could deliver on. And it has to be done um, um, having consulted uh, the, the, the people who are experts and have experience of the programme. It's one of those things that I often remind colleagues, there have been very dark days in the sector and, and often, you know, we'll hear from members and things are hard and, you know, uh, struggles are hard and baby rooms have to, you know, are being closed and all of that. But if you want to switch a conversation or a member switches a conversation, you know, before the word aim comes out of a member's uh, mouth, you can hear it in their voice, the, the, the amount of pride that people, uh, quite rightly, uh, feel in it. Um, it has been transformative. People are our members are so proud of the contribution they have made to children's lives. Uh, mm. um, and the sector should be very proud of it. Um, and so it does need to be, um, it, 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 it's, a, it's a success story and it needs exactly. to be expanded and developed, but it absolutely needs to happen in consultation with members. It cannot be something, that decision or decisions about how it's done, it's so important that um, people are consulted about that and heard. Yeah. It is a huge success story, but, you know, and it's a success story because it recognises, I think, the value of early intervention. But for, um, you know, for people who are working with younger children, it's so frustrating that, you know, they can identify children who will um, benefit from from being part of AIM, but not for another year, perhaps. So um, and you make the point so well about children losing ground during the the summer months. So, you know, it would make a good scheme even better if uh, if those changes uh, were introduced. Then the, the final point, Francis, is relates to the implementation of the first phase of the National Child Minding Action Plan and of the uh, Workforce Development Plan, the Nurturing Skills Plan. So um, we'll have a chat about those now for a few minutes. So the, the, these are published plans. We have no reason to think that the government's not going to implement them. It goes back to the overall ask of the five-year plan. So they both speak to timelines um, and obviously, look, COVID has thrown everything off. And that's another reason I should have said at the beginning why we think a five-year plan is critical. I think, you know, give parents, providers, staff um, and children confidence. Um, and for us, and we, we have said this repeatedly to the department, you know, there have been three, four uh, plans published that really are um, show the detail of what's going to happen. First five, obviously, is the overarching one. And then we have seen the National Child Minding Action Plan, 
partnership for the public good and nurturing skills. Each of them, those final three are equally important, but they're linked. And one of the things we have said from the beginning is, how are you going to do the knitting? And we would respectfully suggest that a five-year plan gives the government an opportunity to do the knitting. Like we think it would be, you know, I won't go as far as saying mad administration, but responsible public administration would be to do it. Even with the change of government, even if you look at any party makeup of the next government, nobody who, um, there is no political party or independent politician who's going to roll back on any of those reports. So the government, I know governments resist five-year plans because they think, well, you know, we'll be gone in two and a half years or, or whatever the next point is. But everybody has signed up to, if you analyse all of the last election manifestos, we talk to TDs and senators literally every day of the week. Nobody is rolling back on them. So the government can have confidence um, to deliver a five-year plan. And th this is what the final, um, we're suggesting in 2023, say what you're going to do in relation to childminding and in relation to nurturing skills. We kind of already know, but why not put it in a document? Why not put it in a plan? Why not tell us and do it for the following four years as well? So it was really important for us to mention them, lest there be any um, misunderstanding that we don't want to see them. We absolutely do. They're really important. And, you know, both of those um, both of those reports speak to uh, educators. So childminders are educators. Uh, staff are working settings are educators. Um, they're so important. They are the focus. They are the number one focus in those countries that we all look to. Their qualifications, their commitment, their professionalization is central to delivering quality for children. Um, and so it's absolutely um, important that they're front and center. Um, at, well, quality for children needs to be front and center and, and the role of educators um, in that um, um, is so important. Um, and, you know, as we have often said, our barometer, which, you know, we're at the fifth edition, about to be the sixth in 2023, has shown that the public really gets that. The public is so behind the workforce. Um, so it's really important that government is showing what they're going, you know, their plan for workforce development and bringing childminding into the net, if you will. And, you know, I suppose, like you say, a five-year plan, knitting together all those aspects that we've, we've spoken about would kind of cushion the, the sector and give a kind of protection from the kind of vagaries of the political system that can be a bit topsy-turvy, to say the least, at times. So, Francis, thank you so much um, for taking us through all the aspects of the budget submission. And here's hoping that on September the 27th, that um, the arguments that our policy team are, like you say, constantly making will, um, will bear fruit. So uh, thanks a million, Francis, for joining us. Anytime, Maura. Thank you. And thanks for listening to this episode of Early Childhood Ireland's podcast, which is proudly supported by Aricus Insurance. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, spread the word to your friends and colleagues and stay tuned for our next episode.